Hey everybody, Dave Hodges here, The Common Sense Show. We are the show that's freeing America one enslaved mind at a time. We're really glad to be with you. I tell you, a lot going on here. America it may be beginning to regain some of its footing. The market is showing some signs of life, finally. Of course, can't blame the market when you've got liberals doing everything they can do to destroy it. And we're going to be talking about all things economic here in this particular segment with Robert Kudla from Trade Genius. And he's going to be telling us what's going on with the kings of the east as we like to call them and their attempts to destabilize everything it's they're kind of like playing the game if i can't have you no one else will either and it seems like they're an, an intent on destruction so bob's going to be talking to us about all of that and of course we're going to be talking about where the opportunities are going to be in the near future as this is a very very fluid and volatile market bob glad you could join us, uh, be with us on the show. Uh, if you'd have told me we'd have been living in these times a couple of years ago, I'd have said, no, 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 maybe someday, but it'll be after I'm gone. I never would have believed this. Yeah, I went from not believing it to have a tinfoil hat to now I have tin in my bloodstream. Yeah, really. <laughs> Very well put. Well, let's let's start with the real obvious international influence on our economy. It looks like the Chinese have developed a permanent case of schizophrenia. They're going crazy over there. Yes, yeah, so it's. I'm not really sure what's happening. They may be using the old, you know, uh, <clears throat> distract your domestic audience by having a lot of international crises that, of course, are the makings of, of your enemies to galvanize the people. And since they have no ability to... Uh, to uh, ascertain the truth, you know, they, they probably have the same social media guidelines that we have. And so they, um, they, they're, they're pushing. And I think it's gonna be really interesting in China because everybody thinks China's monolithic. It's not, there's, there's at least two warlord factions here at play. You know, the Deng Xiaoping faction that was supplanted by, you know, Xi Jinping. And, um, and I think now they're a little bit at odds with each other, and and so Xi's not given the goods, and and so now they have crises after crises. You know their their banking system and their debt to their banking system is mind-boggling, and now they're they're having their um, their yuan is starting to get devalued against the dollar, and at some point that becomes very nasty for. The world stage because they're going to be invoking deflation around the world and i think what trump is doing is that he is as fast as he possibly can insulating the united states from the effect of the chinese deflation by basically blocking their products from our markets and bringing those producers back into the united states or at least into a trading block like the what i, I call the five eyes which are the five English-speaking countries, you know, the U.S., Australia, um, the um, United Kingdom, and New Zealand, Canada as well. And then, you know, you throw in probably India in there, you throw Mexico in there, you throw Israel in there, and you got you got quite a block. And I think that's what we're going to see here. We're going to see these blocks regionalize, and, and China's going to lose their, their best market. So... He's trying to create a domestic market, but you can't have a domestic market when you basically impoverish and enslave your people. So, 
it's going to be interesting to watch. I think it's going to be one of those days we're going to wake up and we're going to be like, wow, nobody saw that coming. But, you know, you heard it here first. China's going to implode. I think they already are. But let me kind of read between the lines of what you just said, Bob. You said something to me that really, really got my attention. You're almost saying to me that China has a deep state an opposing faction that it operates independently and kind of underground from Xi Jinping. Yeah, and I don't know if it's so much underground. I think they literally, they may look like they're all monolithic at the surface, but, you know, um, you know, Xi Jinping, he just simply can't go into some of these cities and start arresting their elites, you know, because they have their own set of security apparatus. He, he tried that with the one guy that he took out about four or five years ago, but you know the other the other warlords are a lot stronger. You know he's northern, and in, in in eastern China, and you know he doesn't have the south and he doesn't have the hinterland. You know there's a reason why Wuhan got locked down so viciously. He doesn't have a political base there, and so uh, you know it's going to be really interesting to see when this stuff bubbles to the surface. And I think with Hong Kong, if they go ahead and they push push Hong Kong over the edge, they lose their ability to. Uh, attract capital. Hong Kong's kind of like the safety valve for the closed controlled economy of China. And so I think it's going to be really interesting to see. And there's something out there that people are, are misreading, and I'll tell you. So all of a sudden, there's a lot of interest in Chinese mainland buying Hong Kong stocks. And people think, oh, that's just the, the, the confidence they have in Hong Kong. No, it's the ability to get their money into Hong Kong so it can get out of the country. So I think you're going to see another set of capital flight coming into China, and it's, it's just going to be nasty. Something I hadn't considered. When we talk about opposing factions in China, the defense minister, Wei Fang, uh, I would suspect he had to be at the top of the list working in opposition to Xi. And I have my reasons for saying it, but are, are you familiar with him at all? Uh, I, I'm more the foreign minister, not sure too much about the defense minister. The foreign minister is pretty hawkish. Mm-hmm. Well, Wee Fang is the guy who's on the, we got a leaked transcript of a speech of his, we being many people in the alternative media, and uh, he's actually calling for colonization of the United States after biochemical genocide, and he's actually saying this, he goes, it's terrible to say it, but it's worse not to do it, we can't survive just by taking over our enemies and our immediate frontier like Vietnam and the Philippines and so forth, he said, the direct land we have to occupy to meet our resources source needs as the United States. And that was Wee Fang last year. And I did a five-part series on that. And uh, it seems like he's always in opposition to Xi. And well, it seems like... Yeah, because I thought he and I thought those two guys were probably, you know, um, it may be interesting. Maybe he's dragging Xi to the right. So uh, all I know is it's not good news. And China, it's, China's not a very good invader, okay? So people... You know, people think, oh, the Mongolian, those are the Mongols. They weren't the Chinese, okay? So the China could, Chinese couldn't win a war against Japan. They couldn't win a war against Vietnam. They couldn't recapture the, the island nation of Taiwan. And so, and if they get themselves bogged down in Hong Kong, I think those people in Hong Kong are, are crazy and stubborn enough to basically tie up quite a bit of assets. They'll force the Chinese to starve those people out, which would just be a, an absolute disaster for the Chinese image around the world. So I, I just I just can't see them. I just can't see them doing uh, 
you know, anything that's really going to cause the United States a great harm. I think the, the, this, this attack, we should we say, of the invisible enemy was probably, probably their shot. And, and, uh, and it looks like it's been blunted. It's really interesting. But when we look at these opposing forces, are we looking at the specter of civil war inside of China? Yeah, that's my guess. I think we'll see a civil war in China. What we have to worry about is the spillover effect, both uh, militarily and economically. Yeah, yeah, you know, you do. You know, if you think about it, is is that, uh, you know, Japan has been pretty bolstered, and people don't realize Taiwan has over 10,000 missiles. So if they're foolish enough to try to take the Taiwanese out, I think just about every port in China would probably be uh, unusable to the Chinese. And so, you know, the Chinese have to import food and they have to import energy. So um, they're not really in a strong position to be an aggressor. And it's kind of odd to me because I think the path they were on up until about two, three years ago was probably, in their view, was probably the better path. Just basically let, just simply eclipse the United States. You lull them into sleep. But somebody somewhere got the wild notion is to oppose and then it just woke everybody up. And so, uh, um, you know, hooray for us, you know, because uh, we woke up, I think, just in time. Uh, I think you're probably right. Um, how does this affect what's going on with American investors, this Chinese instability and, and military aggression we're beginning to see? Yeah, so it's all about the devaluation of the yuan. If that, if they, if they, if it's a messy devaluation, we've we've had this happen before, where uh, in in I believe it was in uh, 2016 where we had or or 2018, we had a um, a messy devaluation of the yuan and our markets lost 18 percent in six weeks. So when we're up there, we're pushing right now pretty hard here to get back to all-time highs, and our economy is still fragile from a. Uh, a cash flow and profitability standpoint. And so if, 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 if that happens, I think we can look for a pretty sharp reversal or we'll see even more aggressive Fed, which I think the reason why the Fed has been aggressive is they've been trying to counter the current devaluation that's happening with the, uh, with the yuan and uh, trying to support our asset prices here. So that's the one thing to worry about. I mean. You know, from our standpoint is, is that I don't know when the market will roll over, but I do know that gold and silver and the miners have have and are continually getting bid. And so uh, we just are looking to just keep buying those dips. And like today, um, today would be um, on Wednesday, you know, the markets um, opened up and got really weak really fast. And we had some short positions on we took profit on. And then the Fed came in and bought the market right back up to the top again. So, you know, they're fearful of letting this market lose control. So I think the market probably, unless something happens in China, is going to probably touch the all-time highs. I think we're going to get 10 to 12, $12 trillion on the balance sheet. And judging by whenever an area opens up around the country, people are going instantly back to normal. I think you're going to see... Um, a lot of businesses get, you know, I guess reinvigorated, but there's going to be probably some pretty nasty fallouts. And, you know, I would say the center cities or the liberal parts of the United States are, are um, I, I think, are, are going to be in deep trouble. 
Is it because of the Democratic leadership? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, they overplayed their hand. I think they thought they, they th- I think they thought this virus was worse than it was, and I think they they oversold the the health benefits of their prescription of, of lockdown. And judging by how the people are reacting whenever they're set free from the lockdown, is I don't think the American people bought it. And I know in California, where I live, it's not exactly conservative heaven, but I think people are typically what I would say libertarian, and they view conservatives as interventionists. And I think they, the, the, the Democrats are getting a lot of grief of, of interfering with these people's lives. And I think they're losing the independence and the young here. So I think it's gonna be an interesting election. I don't think California's at any risk of going blue, but there's a, like Pennsylvania and Michigan and Wisconsin, you know, uh, th- those states, maybe even Nevada, are, are definitely, definitely gonna be in the blue camp based on these people losing their job. You know, the, the mantra I always have is people, doesn't matter to people until things matter to people. And you got Las Vegas, which is extremely liberal, and they, they couldn't get out of their lockdown. And a lot of really, really rich liberal people and employees lost jobs and income, and they don't like it. And they don't understand it. And people are looking saying, hey, it's not the Republicans shutting down their states, it's the Democrats shutting down their states. And I think you're gonna see movement, like you know, what Musk talked about with Tesla, you're gonna see movement out of what I would call the Northern, Northeastern and the liberal areas, and they're gonna move down into Sunbelt, where people can feel like they have a little bit more freedom. And I think that's gonna be the long-term fallout from all this. That's interesting. So do you think there's, I know there's a migration shift coming out of California right now to the rest of the country. We're feeling it here in Arizona where I live, where we're in the process of becoming more blue. But do you think that there'll be an exodus in state where people will leave areas like Sacramento to go to more conservative areas like Orange County? Yeah, you're seeing it already. My uh, my the wife of my really good friend, she's a, a realtor and more on the high end side. And you know, the first couple months of this uh, this lockdown, she was shut down. But now, since they keep extending it up in LA, there's a lot of people up in Hollywood and LA are trying to move into Orange County. And I'm I'm, I'm assuming the Bay Area is coming down here too. So homes where I live are selling like within a day because people are bailing out up there. The only bad news is they forget they, they, they was the one that caught, they put the people in power that had the bad policies yeah. you know, in the first place. And then they try to replicate and ruin what they've already ruined somewhere else. They're kind of like grasshoppers, you know, and- uh, I know. And, and, you know, but I think it's gonna be inevitable. And look, my, my daughter, when she gets out of college, she's, she's, she's already made a decision. She's leaving California. And, uh, you know, Colorado and Arizona is in her sights. You know, good news for me, though, she doesn't understand this, this stupid lockdown. She thinks government's dumb because they took away her job, took away her friends, got shut her school down for a virus that nobody has, per her words. So, you know, I think that a lot of young feel that way. Uh, you know what? I have to say, if I'm really truly honest with myself, Bob, um, we have a targeted population here that has been victimized by COVID-19 and people your daughter's age, unless they have a related serious illness uh, with their immune system, they this is a speed bump for them. Um, for, for people over 65 that have real health concerns, it's not a speed bump, it's deadly serious. 
but uh, I agree with your daughter. <laughs> I do. I mean, we have a statistic here that came out of Maricopa County, the, you know, Arizona's largest county, and it it uh, it said that the largest population who have contracted coronavirus is the 20 to 44 group, and they have by far and away the lowest fatalities. It's it's almost infinitesimal. Right, and their job was to hurt hurt immunity for the older people, and we did not allow that to happen. It's, it's almost like the, the policies were designed to spread out this 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 um, this pandemic for as long as possible. Well, I've got tin in my blood, like you, and when you have Whitmer and Cuomo putting COVID positive elderly back in the nursing homes, what else could we conclude? Yeah, I mean, you know, thank God that we've had enough states that didn't do these things so we have a comparison. And then also looking at Sweden, you know, that, uh, you know, we have some control groups here. But, you know, I, th- I think, though, you know, you know, kind of I think we're going to move past that. I don't think the American people are going to allow a second lockdown unless people start dying in the streets. I think they shot their load on this one. And I think uh, people are going to have to live with the decisions they made as, as politicians. And uh, we'll know for sure in November, but look, judging from the two special elections so far, and then in Virginia, they had an election at a city council that um, they basically went ahead and uh, was totally a democratic city, and the Republicans swept the city. And this is the Northern Virginia suburb of DC. And that should should be raising alarm bells because of the, uh, I think this, the tyrannical, the tyrannical approach that that the politicians took, and I think, I think you know, um, the American people were willing to give everybody a, a, a benefit of the doubt here, and 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 now that we learn more things, we're basically being dismissed, and I think that I think that angers the American people more than the lockdowns is basically you're you're, you're calling me stupid when I can I can read the same thing you're reading, and I'm drawing a 180 conclusion that you're drawing from it. Yes. And I know why you're doing it. So I, I just think, um, you know, I'm kind of happy in a sense that they, they're, they're visible. Well, the, the people I talk to, the, the younger people are getting it. And this is what I hear from a lot of young people. We know they're making it worse for all age groups, much worse than it is, because they want us to have a bad economy and blame Trump so they can take over. That's what they're saying about the Democrats. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, yeah. And, and it. it in, in around here, they don't say the Democrats; they just say the government. Yes, which is the Democrats. So, which is the Democrats? Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, in a lot of ways, this is you know, this is. I think there's a lot of lemonade out of this. Is that I think the economy is going to come back even even more aggressively than I first thought. Judge, judging by restaurants being full, you know, uh, and watch the first time you have a sporting event that people go in the stadiums, they'll be full. In Ocean City, Maryland, they opened up the hotels, and and from what I read, it's 100% booked the rest of the summer. Wow. So um, I'm going to watch Hawaii because I have an interest in going there. I guess the lockdown's coming off in two weeks there for quarantine, and, and, and I'm going to just see how fast uh, the hotels fill up for people that want to go to you know vacation in, on the Hawaiian Islands, and, uh, and, and that, that'll be a tell for me how willing people are to go places. I think the only areas that are going to be in trouble Dave is I think there's going to be a migration out of the center cities and there's going to be a migration out of the what I would call the blue center cities and because I don't think people will ever want to be in a situation again where they're under the thumb of, of these leaders 
and I think I think Illinois is gonna absolutely is gonna absolutely implode too because they uh, they're they're just doubling down on everything and they have zero zero reserves. Well, the, the same with the governor of Michigan. Now, her husband got caught trying to prepare their boat for Memorial Day. So here she's extending lockdown orders, and her husband's violating the lockdown orders. Hey, so the governor, it, the governor of Virginia told people they had to wear a mask everywhere, and he's on the beach shaking hands with people with no mask and no social distancing. It's so. <laughs> crazy. Well, the, the thing I, I, I'm guessing at here, too, I... I Maybe I'm wrong. I, I was listening to some of the economists say five to eight years to recover and so forth. And I'm thinking, oh, I hope that's not true, but it makes sense. But now I'm looking at this and it's kind of like all there's this pent up emotion that could really drive the economy and speed the recovery. What, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was a little bit more reticent of that, but just you, you just you can't argue with the data. I mean, people coming back. And you can see it. I'm watching the, the stocks of the cruise lines. The cruise lines are are getting bookings. You know, people are willing to get on those ships, okay? And and that should tell you everything, okay? They're willing to get on a ship. They're willing to go into hotels, right? They're going to be willing to go into stadiums. You know, they, they, you saw what happened in Missouri, right? They're willing to get into a pool together with a million other people. You know, they put eighty thousand on a beach in Orange County. So I think I think the American people, for the most part, saying I understand the risk. Uh, I don't think it's any worse than any other influenza season. Yes. And and I, and I think this was overplayed, and I think it was political. And you can see it. There's literally a divide here between who wants to lock down, and who doesn't. It's become. It's literally become another 50-50 thing. I, I would agree. In fact, my wife said last night to me, because uh, we talked about the ridiculousness of the restrictions that have nothing to do with COVID transmission. And she said, but there's a lot of people buying the Kool-Aid. And, and, and let me just explain what I saw oh, about four or five days ago. I'm in LA Fitness going to work out and I go back up to get something from the front desk and I'm waiting behind this couple in line and they must have been in their mid-70s and they're both wearing masks preparing to work out. That kind of says it all about people drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah, and, and that's I think another problem too. We, we, people, people don't, they can't parallel think. They don't realize that there's, a, there's a lot of downside to doing these things. There's no... People, we lost nuance in this world because a lot of it because social media is he who screams loudest with the mostest becomes the de facto fact, and then no other, no other nuanced approach can even be acceptable. Whereas, you know, there was there were smart things to do. You know, I had no problem. Hey, first couple weeks a month, let's do that. Um, maybe let's understand what we have here in front of us. Now we know. We know where the risks are. But, you know, that the, the social media shot it down. I mean, look, they called Trump a murderer. They're still trying to call him a murderer. I know. I know. It's, you know? it's crazy. Yeah. But I, I think it's going to backfire. It's like these people in um, uh, that Lake Ozark that you were referencing about Memorial Day partying on, at the lake and at the swimming pools. And, and, and now what did the authorities do? The Democratic authorities in St. Louis County? Uh, you must all quarantine for two weeks. I mean, like it was some kind of leper colony. It was, it, to me, it, people are laughing at this, and, and, I, and I see the ridiculousness of it, but I'm also seeing signs of life in the market, and that's where I want to turn our attention to. Um, I, I think the, the, the negative emotion that's coming out is going to really drive some recovery. So where are the opportunities at? 
Yeah, so you know the market's been basically doing a V recovery from the uh, the March lows, and and the um, you know the, at this point it looks like they're going to probably get it back to the all time highs. I mean, no bad news can take this market down for more than than six or eight hours, and and then they keep buying it back. At some point, we may get a correction here, but the Fed is just the Fed has just put a fire hose into the market. So what we have to look at now is that you know tech and all that stuff is all way overvalued. So you have to look at the areas that are undervalued where where you can make money. And and we just been playing and doing extremely well, uh, looking at the the oil tanker stocks, the, um, the 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 silver, gold, platinum, palladium, rhodium mines. You know I'm a broken record. This has been working for us for a year, Dave. And um, and we just simply use our ribbon system and. And I shot you some notes over today. Those are those are all notes from this morning. I shot to you. Yeah, I saw the one for six percent. Yeah, it just it's it's remarkable what we're seeing. Um, is emotion driving a lot of this recovery, or is this just natural pent up demand? It's liquidity, and so the um, the big asset managers are buying, and and then people are sensing the opportunity, and they're just following it right along. You don't fight the Fed. So kind of like when and Fed do what the Feds do? Yeah, I mean, at this point, you know, if you're not, you're, if you're countering them, you're, you're going to get rolled over and, and you can just see it. So we probably have another 10% to go in the markets here and uh, then we're just going to see what happens going into the election. And that still scares me. Um, you know, one thing, and kind of unrelated to our topic here, but Trump is making noises like he's going to go after social media. And I don't think I've ever told you this, Bob, but back in October of 2018, I'm with Gary Haven from Curves, the owner of Curves at the time. And, uh, and I'm telling him about Open Forum Section 230, which says that if you're a social media platform and you claim Open Forum status, you're not held accountable if a child molester comes on with their videos or pictures onto your platform as long as you move to correct it when you discover it. But you can't censor. That's the requirement that's put on you as an obligation to maintain this Open Forum. And even Ted Cruz addressed this in the Senate about three years ago. So I'm sitting there bemoaning this. I'm at Steve Quayle's Branson conference and Gary Haven's there and Gary knows somebody who knows Trump really, really well. 10 minutes later, I'm in a 20 minute conversation with this person quoting chapter and verse with things I've written about. And I got the feeling that Trump was going to do something. And then this is right before the 2018 midterms. And if he had done something, I don't think we'd have lost the house. And, and he did nothing. And now he's making noise to correct social media. How important of an issue, and I got a two-part question, is this for the election and is it for the economy? Yeah, well, I think short term, it's more important for the election in terms of, of you know, we're gonna hit the silly season probably around August and September. And I think, um, you know, Trump probably realizes how much they're going to try to to shot him down. I mean, Twitter made the mistake of, of saying he, had, he was fake news on something, and they're trying to poke the bear, I guess. Uh, from an economic standpoint, eventually it's it's going to it's going to cripple us, just like the Fed's going to cripple us, because they're going to create an environment where you know only the prevailing attitudes and the prevailing companies can survive, and that's sclerotic, 
and eventually, you know, you, you, you become like the Soviet Union where where you're just hollowed out and there's no enthusiasm and no in, inventiveness or, and then you just, you just, you know, basically dry up. So that's why I think they have to do something about these, uh, these social media, you know, they're basically public utilities, but you're starting to see more and more of the right people start to complain. I mean, Tesla is, a, is an important advertiser to these people and he's screaming censorship, you know, and he makes all, it, it, the online world is his world. You know, in terms of being able to sell product, and, uh, and I think you're going to see more and more of that, and and uh, maybe Trump's just waiting till he knows he has an unassailable position here, and and make his move going into the election. But they have to do something about this because they're basically the Democrats have outsourced uh, outsourced their uh, their security apparatus to these uh, social media giants to basically uh, you know form public opinion. But it's it's the mail-in balloting, which is the is the is the one I worry about more than social media, though. Wow, that's uh, that's a mouthful. But I, I gotta think this would still have some carryover effect to the economy. He who controls the narrative controls the faith and the the positivism or the negativism. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I agree with you. I just think you know between now and November, I think the election is the overriding thing. I just think if they win out their way of doing business after the election, then I think it dooms our economy. I agree with you. Well, bingo. I've been, and I sound like a doomsayer, Bob, but I've been singing this uh, mantra forever and a day. I've told people who work for a living, actually try to get some discretionary income in their bank accounts so they can invest wisely i said these people are the enemy of your lifestyle and you won't want to be in this country if we lose this election do you agree with that yeah i mean i worry about it because i think if 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 they lose if, if trump and, and 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 the republican party lose this election is that i think uh, the aggressive retribution would be will be unbearable I think it could lead to a civil war. And I know that sounds like an exaggerated claim, but uh, I'll put it this way, Bob. I, I haven't had a speeding ticket since I was 20. I don't break laws. I don't get arrested. I don't advocate for violence, but I will not comply. Yeah, and there's a lot of ways in which we could do that. You know, I don't want to make this a forum where people target us, but I, you know, I hear you. There's a lot of ways in which you can express dissent without breaking any law at all and Correct. you win. Yeah, so, but, uh, let me give you an example. I performed my first act of civil disobedience when I walked into a business in Wickenburg that was competing with a Walmart that was deemed to be non-essential, selling some of the same products. And I went in, did business, and interviewed them for, for my media. And and because it was clearly that Governor Ducey here in Arizona was committing a 14th Amendment violation. You can't treat businesses differentially, particularly if they're from the same status and when they're doing the same kind of business. And that's the that's what I'm saying we're going to see a lot of. If the Democrats get elected, the favoritism will be off the charts. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. I, I totally agree. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want to contemplate it at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. We want to stay upbeat because the economy is moving in the right direction. But I, I want to impress upon people here every chance I get that if we don't stay engaged and we lose this election, we're going to lose a lot more than an election. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think Republicans need to 
strap on and, and put their big boy pants on and, uh, and and start calling out as much as possible here. So well, let's so it tell. Doesn't take, it doesn't take much to push a bully down. So uh, I agree. No, I agree, and and that's why I'm wondering how long Newsom's going to last in California, which is another topic for another day. But the Californians are speaking loudly and clearly, and they're not listening to Newsom. That's for sure. Um, I, I want to take this though and say, okay, how do people ride this newfound enthusiasm for the economy now that the restrictions are slowly but surely being lifted? And in many places and we're beginning to see unbelievable economic gains as a result how do people take advantage of this yeah so you know i think a lot of people learned in the last 60 days it's, it's important to have multiple revenue streams and back up back up income opportunities because you just never know if they're going to do something stupid like this again and and lock down your industry and so there was a tremendous amount of interest in in stock trading and in, you know what we've done, as you know, Dave, over the years, we've created, we think, the premier stock trading system out there for normal traders. And um, the proof's in the pudding. I just sent you uh, comments on that. So we'll teach you how to trade. We now are up to 15 lessons to quickly be able to uh, learn how to trade what we call our profit ribbon system, which you have a high probability of profit on every trade you take and you very quickly can get up to speed. And one of the comments I sent you this morning was of a person their first month with us, you know, learned the system, hit their target, and is stoked. And other people now are starting to trade things that I don't even share with them because now they understand how the system works. And so we teach them how to fish. We're in the chat room with them, so we support them. And, uh, and then we're giving them trades as well. And then we provide them this ribbon system that they can operate independently of the signals that we give and gives people a lot of confidence now to be able to uh, you know earn a side hustle and a side business and and if you you know if you're ready to retire and you want to earn a little extra money or you're a home homemaker and you want to where uh, you're taking care of the kids and and while your wife's working these are opportunities for you and we do it in a very safe and effective manner so it's it's all math and, and it, we just show people how to do it and it works out really, really well. And um, they just have to come to tradelikeagenius.com. We put specials together for your listeners like we always do, Dave. And, and what we charge for the service pales in comparison to what you're getting out of it. I mean, we, today alone, we've had people make four, five, 6% on day trades. And, and, uh, and some of the things that we're in right now, people have been in for a week or two or 15, 20% on some trades. and. And those things add up, and those things put money in your pocket, and and just really help you, you know, have a, an independent financial resource outside of an employer. That's right, and, and you've got some great specials, as you mentioned here, for the um, uh, the lessons you have, the bundles. They're pre-discounted 65%. I mean, this is really a good deal. And then uh, I think your non-bundled items here are discounted 45%, and you have to use the coupon code MAY. But all this goes away on May 30th, so people have a few days to act, but they don't have forever to think about it. It's kind of like playing the market. It's kind of now or never, right? Yeah, you know, I mean, look, I'm giving you an incentive to make a quick decision, and uh, you won't be disappointed. 
Well, that sounds that sounds really really good. TradeLikeAGenius.com is the site. We've been speaking with uh, Robert Kudla, and uh, we, I'll tell you the the breadth of topics we got here. Everything from the dragons of the east, so to speak, and what they're going through, and the instability they're trying to wreak on the world because they're losing, and what Trump has done, uh, and how the economy is turning around. We've covered a full gamut here in a short amount of time. Bob, I want to thank you for coming on and sharing your expertise. And in particular, thank you for this note of optimism. It's been long overdue. Thanks for having me, Dave. Have a good one. Okay, thank you.